And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It is time. We're late. I know. I boomered it a little bit. Jason Hunt here in the studio. I am the editor here at sci fi for mecom Welcome, everyone. We have a milestone today. Episode 250 is uh, what we've got on the books today. And if you are listening to this as a podcast, or if you want to listen to it as a podcast, uh, we're on all the various different podcast players. The chat's open. You can leave a comment. You can send an email live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. You can find us on all the socials. We've got a newsletter you can sign up for. And this, we are broadcasting to YouTube, Facebook, and Odyssey. Odyssey looks like it's lagging again. we got to figure out that bitrate problem. I don't know what that is. So... YouTube, YouTube giving us a little bit of shenanigans. Uh, we we got this note notification to creators. There is a known issue, and this is something that people have been complaining about for a while. Likes and subs count discrepancy in watch page versus YouTube analytics. They are aware, apparently now, of a discrepancy between the likes and dislikes on the watch page and the analytics. Something that people are complaining about. YouTube taking away likes. So maybe they're looking into it. But then there's also this. Roku saying that YouTube TV may get dropped. They're accusing Google of anti-competitive behavior. This article in Variety. Simmering tensions between Roku and Google have erupted into a full-blown fight. Roku may drop YouTube TV on its channel because Google is... uh, Being Google. Being Google. Uh, An email notice to customers. Roku says, we are sending this email to update you on the possibility that Google may take away your access to the YouTube TV channel on Roku. Recent negotiations with Google to carry YouTube TV have broken down because Roku cannot accept Google's unfair terms as we believe they could harm our users. Uh, According to Roku, as a condition for carrying YouTube TV, Google is demanding Roku grant the separate YouTube app special search privileges. The current dispute does not immediately affect the YouTube app's distribution on Roku. And Roku is basically saying uh, that Google is trying to uh, usurp, I guess, search, kind of, kind of become this predatory thing, which, you know, is that a surprise, really? It, uh, who, who knows? I, I don't know. So anyway, that's... That's what's been going on here. Maybe we're finally starting to see a little bit of pushback against Google and 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 YouTube and whatnot. I mean, uh, fan backlash has certainly uh, managed to get us uh, a restoration on Gina Carano's episode of Bear Grylls show that's going to be on Nat Geo on May 10th at 9 p.m. Eastern. So congratulations to her for getting that restored. They're very excited about that. Bear Grylls even said that it is uh, it is worth seeing, and it would have been a shame. Uh, it would have been so sad, he says, not to get to hear your powerful story of many struggles and many triumphs. So Bear Grylls episode with Gina Carano restored back into the universe. So we'll see what happens there. All right, let's talk 250. And how are we going to do this? Because we have Rick Stacy and Leslie Walker are both here this morning. Yeah. Welcome. Leslie All right, so Walker. where I'm getting, I'm getting an echo somewhere. All right, so where I'm getting, I'm getting an echo somewhere. 
And I don't know if that's Rick or if that's Leslie. Somebody getting... Somebody needs... I, do y'all have headphones plugged in? Okay, that's probably what that is then. Okay, that's probably. I haven't I haven't heard that in a while. That's are you hearing that? I haven't heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a show without Gremlins, right? It wouldn't be a show without Gremlins. Um, how how should we? Can y'all do y'all have Leslie? Do you hear an echo? Y'all, do y'all have you do? Leslie? Okay, so that's probably Rick. That's probably coming from you then. Rick, do you have headphones you can plug in? Yeah, well, let's try that. Let's try that. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do this um, because while he's doing that, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mute that for just a second while I figure out here because I realize that Mindy is not in that set. So let me do that, and let me do this, and there. Pa-da! There's everybody now. All right. Okay. We're all here, I think. And I think Leslie said okay. hi to Mindy while I... While I, I think Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Rick, can you mute your headphone, your speakers for a moment? Okay. That's that's something. All right. We'll we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. All right. We've got we've got. Uh, I'm not I'm not getting it from anywhere else. I don't think. No, nope, that's muted. That's muted. Oh, wait a minute. No, nope, that's muted. All right. So it's not. Okay. Any better? How's that? Is that better? So much better. Oh, there we go. Was that on? Was that on me? That we... yes. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm hearing echoes. Are you hearing? I uh, don't hear them anymore. I don't either. Uh, it could be. It could be uh, isolated on yours. Or you're in now, Rick. So. Uh, but I'm not. Sound. But I'm not hearing it. So I think. I think we're good. So if you can live with it, I'm. Working. Are we good? What are we going to do if we didn't have gremlins? Right? I don't think we'd know what to do. I, I, who knows? We come up with our own gremlins, I think. Well, there's, there is that, <laughs> yes. So, anyhow. Okay, so. Yeah, I'm still hearing something. 250. Are you hearing that? Mm-hmm. I don't know where that's coming from. It's not as bad. Um, I don't know. Leslie, do you have your phones in? I don't, and I don't have any. Um, so, okay. But that, you know what? I'm only going to hang around a minute. Maybe I should just say my piece and get the heck out of Dodge, and that way maybe we eliminate <laughs> one of the sources of the issue. Well, it's not, a, it's not as bad uh, now. So I think, I think maybe what it was is we were hearing a combination of, the, of, of echoes in, in multiple places that might have been kind of compounding on each other. So anyway, I'm glad you're here, though. Well, thank you. It's good, to, it's good to see you outside the, the, the foreign bodies continuity and and doing stuff so well i mean you sent out an alert saying you're gonna have a free-for-all like <laughs> am i gonna miss a free-for-all i'm not missing a free-for-all that right. sounds like too much fun well it it sometimes can be <laughs> <laughs> so what have you got going today you've got uh you've got busy busy work stuff i saw you you bought a youngling the car we did buy the youngling a car. <laughs> we um, did a little haggling and came across a great deal and then haggled. And, and yeah, so she's got something that's 
going to carry her, carry her through, I don't know, probably mid-20s, we're hoping, kind of, maybe. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, finally, she got her license. And she got her license. That was the most important <laughs> thing because for the uninitiated, my, my eldest is almost 20 now, and she um, has been slow to the driving phenomenon, so... It's been a nice uh, change of pace. So yeah, she's moving out from um, university next week and will actually, I think, be able to um, pack up her own car with some of her own things and do some of her own driving, which is totally new. Well, send her our our congratulations. I will do that. So what have you got going? Well, um, mostly I just wanted to take the opportunity to pop in and... um, compliment you on camera so I could see you squirm a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this will be fun. Okay. (laughs) Because Mindy knows, and I know, that compliments are a little bit of a struggle for you. So I figured, you know, let's do it on camera and have some fun with that. Yes. Um, But... But in but in reality, I just I wanted to say, you know, congrats on your number 250. That's a huge milestone. Like, hard to believe that's a thing. Um, and I also just wanted to thank you for um, your leadership for Sci-Fi for Me and the creative direction that you always provide. You make it a, um, a really fun crew to work with. And I'm pretty sure that I've never brought any creative suggestion forward that you've um, declined. (laughs) Um, I mean, you've been a very supportive, awesome, um, fun leader. And it's, like I said, it's a a great crew to work with. I'm I'm grateful for what you do. Well, I appreciate that. And and I appreciate the contributions that you have brought. Um, I, I think you coming out of your shell and being willing to go on camera now for a show, I think is a, is a huge step for you. Uh, it's something I think I've probably been trying to get you to do. Well, I don't know when we did the, when we did the free comic book day coverage, when was that two years ago and finally got you, yeah, finally got you to do a report and do, do some live stuff down there. I think that was the first time really we got you on camera and that was like pulling teeth. But, it's still pulling teeth, yeah, but, but you done, know, I'm just faking my way through it. You, you've done really well. <laughs> you I've fake been it beautifully. Oh, um, thank you, love. Yeah, I'm looking forward um, to a lot more. And I also want to say um, diversity and inclusion is a, is a tough topic lately. Um, mm. And you and I have had a lot of personal conversations about how we come at uh, policy and, and social issues from pretty much 180 um, <laughs> positions. And you still managed to make a, a really great, inclusive, diverse team. And you've never once made me feel bad, mistreated, you know, for having having different perspectives than you do. And I, I love the fact that you kind of welcome that that um, diverse perspective, not just on current events, but also on genre-related um, topics. And I think that's a tough thing to do, and you seem to have navigated it pretty well. Well, and, and I appreciate that. And that's, that and that's something that's been fairly important as, as part of this whole thing from the very beginning was – you know, I see a lot, and and Rick, you've you've noticed this as well. But we've seen a lot of the gatekeeping from various different places. You know, media coverage as well as as production people. You know, actors and and creators and whatnot, basically saying that if you don't agree with my politics, I don't want you as a customer. And and to me, that's just bad business. And it's important to embrace that mix. Not just in your customer base, but in your creative space too. So you know, it's you know, if if everybody on the team agreed with me, then it might as might as well just be me doing this because you know I I can't clone myself, but <laughs> but I could get a bunch of people yet. around me that agree with yeah yet <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think it's important because you know it's 
the you know the stone the stone the stone sharpening the sword type of thing where you have uh, you have that mix of ideas and perspectives and not everybody agrees not everybody has to agree and that's important for me to to use not just as a contrast but also as a as a checks and balance because if I just roll over and say, this is what I think, and everybody's like, yep, 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 then we end up with, uh, we end up with the Star Wars prequels where <laughs> nobody tells George Lucas no, and right. that's what we get. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and, and I don't have all the answers. I'm not right all the time, and I'm, and I'm open to the idea that other people might know a little bit about what they're talking about, so, you know. It's it's good to have that that mix of voices in the room, so you don't have this monolithic one thought thing like what we seem to be getting out of various different places. So I, I appreciate you being here, and I appreciate you having different perspectives, and I hope you stick around for a very long time. Well, with that, I'm going to bid you guys adieu because, as mentioned, busy, busy, um, work, work, got to make the donuts. Um, but <laughs> congratulations Thanks. on 250. It's such a big deal. And, um, you know, see you Saturday, I guess. All right. Yes. Saturday. Are, are we still in Sweden on Saturday or y'all do no y'all are doing. We're covering the chainsaw award international, um, category. Okay. Yep. Right, so so we'll be covering a Typically, we do three or so features, but um, the Chainsaw Awards that we just recently published an article about it um, had, I believe it was five international flicks that had been nominated, and um, so we'll cover all five. So hopefully we won't go too long. We'll have to exercise a little discipline and make sure we don't get too long-winded. But uh, yeah, five recent um, international films for us to chat about. Should be fun. Okay, and that's coming up Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern here on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Leslie Walker and Tim Harvey. One of the few shows that I don't host. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, you just engineer for us so that we don't have to think about that. And it's right greatly valued. Well, we'll, we'll workshop that. Oh, um, <laughs> okay. Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, Leslie. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye Leslie. Bye. So, Rick, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. And hey, congratulations know, to you. I must tell you, I'm, I'm getting double echoes here. Oh, you are? So, Shouldn't. So that's, it's, that's okay because I'm Gemini, and I've had that problem all my life. <laughs> <laughs> A little more profound right now, so bear with me. That's very strange where that echo would be coming from because right now I don't hear anything. Um, so that's, it that's must strange. be me. But uh, if I may, let me tell you, uh, con- congratulations on this. I, and I hear me twice, which is kind of haunting. But I will say that your sense of empowerment and creativity bringing us all in to the, uh, uh, to the fold as we talk about media and arts and performance arts and science fiction, all the things is a great uh, uh, accomplishment. The need for community and the need, especially in the arts, uh, for all of us to be able to come together and grow together is is paramount. And I think when we talk about inclusion, I'm thinking that that's the greatest way to bring about inclusion as opposed to exclusionary inclusion where you guys I like, I agree with you, you guys are welcome. And this is the antithesis of that. So having said that and having heard, heard it twice, I, I wanted to t- tell you that uh, – you're appreciated for this great sense of inspiration. I appreciate that. Thank you. And you have a new book coming out. Yes, I yes. have a book I'm working on. I would like to uh, uh, just spring it right here if I could. This, yeah, this is a cover rough from it. This is turn yes. the we'll turn the we'll turn the, the focus Exodus. back on you. So, <laughs> and uh, having said that, this is uh, the first in a series of last. I've said. Uh, this is a the comprehensive collection of my poetry and musings and writing and what have you, and uh, some illustrations and graphic arts in here too, that really punctuates my life and gives a, uh, a kind of a line in the sand as to where 
I have been where I am, and who knows where the creative fields will take me next. So uh, I'm in the final stages of this, and I want it published and out by June because I'm doing my first read at the new Veterans Center at Lee Summit. And we'll do a dedication there of the center, and then we'll share a lot of fun from this book too. All right, and you said June for that? Yeah, and I can keep you posted once I confirm the dates because I'm working with the, the veterans uh, on a lot of other things too, because uh, you just I just can't give them enough. Yeah. Well, and and the other thing you mentioned, you know, your your next creative thing. You and I were talking before before we went on the air about some different things uh, in terms of your artwork because you've done art for DC Comics. Uh, have you ever, you've have you drawn for Marvel? Yes, uh, DC, okay. Marvel. Disney and Warner Brothers, I wrote and drew for Warners. I did Looney Tunes and Tiny Tunes for Steven Spielberg, which means I have a lovely form letter that says, hello and welcome to the team. Your name goes here. <laughs> and uh, throughout, the, throughout the rest of the letter, it uh, pumps us up as a team where you are just part of the, again, your name goes here. But I do some comic commission work for people. And I, I brought a piece up here. I'm for a collector, we stare someplace. Back toward you. There you go. Yes, <laughs> you can see it. And uh, there you go. Yeah. And I, I do that, and I, I started performing again. I'm working with Michael McQuarrie in town, and we are doing a bit of a talk show. Michael is a talented gentleman who is known as the man of a thousand and one faces and voices, and his track record in performance goes from. Uh, the West Coast to the East Coast, and uh, his credits from New York to Kansas City are astounding. So look for us to be doing more and more on YouTube together in the way of just um, shows that are very much like a Dick Cavett show where there's uh, no holes barred and we have a lot of fun. And if you like, you can follow me uh, on, on Facebook and um, I won't, I won't uh, call the police. Uh, so <laughs> uh, please follow me any way you want to and uh, we could uh, see what next steps well, Take now, that. you should, because uh, we were talking about uh, a lot of the comic book artists, uh, a lot of the opportunities for comic book art in, uh, in the indie scene, in the indie creator scene, uh, stuff that's over on Kickstarter and Indiegogo, the crowdfunded right. projects and whatnot. Um, and there are a lot of, there are a lot of alumni, people, people that you've probably at least uh, interacted with or, or worked with over the years, Graham Nolan, Chuck Dixon, yes. uh, Shane Davis, Ethan Van Skyver, all of those guys over at DC, Scott Snyder, Bobby Greenberger, Bobby Greenberger's got one. Um, Paul Kupperberg, I think has, has done yeah. some stuff. I talked to him this morning. So, uh, that would be something I think would be, uh, would be an opportunity for you as well, because you haven't lost your touch. Clearly. I think, uh, I Thank think you. there are plenty of, there are plenty of, uh, Art T-Bear, is, is doing some stuff over there as well. So, you know, I think there would be an opportunity there for uh, an experienced hand doing some art for some of these, some of these young creators to get, to, you know, kind of get this merging and melding of, of different levels of experience. I think it would be a, a fun thing to see you on a book. Right, right. Well, and definitely. Having... I, I would like to be on that book if that book uh, is, is, like the golden age does not get well golden silver age bronze age books uh bronze age what i'm seeing right now on uh, popular comics modern comics now are not popular to me and the industry has changed drastically so that's not my cup of tea and if we can go back and find that sense of awe and wonder that we found in the 70s and 80s and 90s and the end of the 90s yeah i would like to try to do something because yeah. uh the uh well, the superheroes are what was fun for me. Well, because Ethan, uh, Ethan Van Skyver's revived his Cyber Frog character from his old days at Harris, and you've got uh, you've got um, Six Gun Gorilla, which is another which it's a western featuring a gorilla who can use a, a six shooter. Um, what some of the other ones that I've that I've looked through Downcast, which uh, is a science fiction type of thing. You've got Mitch Breitweiser doing Red Rooster, which is kind of this old Golden Age era, you know, rocketeer type of of time frame, you know, Captain America type 
you know, period piece. Cool. So there's a lot of that over there. I think I think there's there's plenty of opportunity to do some golden age work. Even even then, you know, if you've got an idea for one, you kickstart one yourself. You know, do your own and crowdfunding project. And, yeah. You know, find a find a, a writer or a co-writer, and you do all the artwork. And Rick Stacy is back. Well, I'd like to work with Kupperberg again because Paul Kupperberg and I are, are brothers from another mother. We are that close, and uh, again. I talked to him this morning. He read some of the samples from my book. And like I've always said, Kupperberg's the writer in our family. Yeah. But to hear the, the things from him about the book or to look at where he is from his standpoint of, of superhero comics and collaborations, yeah, he'd be the guy. Let's talk. Yep. I, I'm, I'm, I'm having the beginning of an idea forming back here in the back. Okay. Let me, let's, let's, let's kick around some ideas. Well, on my side, I don't do much with comic books except look at the – Look at the pictures pretty much when Jason shows me things. And there is definitely a need for quality artwork out there based <laughs> on some of the newer stuff that people put out claiming to be professional and not done in a you know elementary school classroom. <laughs> and I mean, I may not read comic books, but I do like my pictures to look at. <laughs> well, and I tell you some of the stuff, you know, some of the, some of the latest stuff with, with Captain Marvel has me thinking Captain Marvel. I mean, it's really, really bad art. It's, it's terrible. So yeah, there's definitely a need. So, and I, yeah, and I think, I think Rick, I think you would, uh, you would kill it in that space. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. We'll talk. Yeah, we will definitely do that. All right, sir. What else have you got on your uh, on your agenda? You've got a poetry book coming out in June. What else? What else is on your plate? Uh, the book, and from that standpoint, as we uh, see if the mask issues can be relaxed and the groups can be relaxed, I want to come read, and I want to come to organizations or clubs or big or small or what have you, and uh, just I'll just put this out there. Whenever I do this, I, I want nothing but the chance to, to perform. I don't want any admission. I don't want any fees for this stuff. I do ask if anybody has considerations that they would like to bring food for harvesters. If you give it to me, I'll make sure it gets here the next day. Yeah, and that's all I really care about. So, uh, you know, guys, got to have an audience, and uh, uh, we can take this to that next step. And every artist needs to perform. What good is all this creative if you prepare it? And you shove it under your bed. Yeah. Well, and and it seems like uh, we were talking about you know mentioned talking about the Oscars. It seems like a lot of that is being shoved under the shoved under the bed because not too many people are watching the show anymore. And uh, last night's uh, last last night's Oscars. There's already anger over Anthony Hopkins beating. Chadwick Boseman for Best Actor, and I've got to wonder. And and Rick, you've been around long enough. You've you've seen some of this probably in in the industry. And and I had this question uh, when Heath Ledger got the Oscar posthumously. Um, I have not seen any of the movies that are that are on the Oscars list this year, mm -hmm. and. Anthony Hopkins is playing a man. It's his. The movie is called The Father, and he's playing the the matri the patriarch of the family, and he's falling to Alzheimer's, dementia, old age. And I'm, t I, you know, I, from all I'm I'm seeing, it's you know, I mean, it's Anthony Hopkins. He's an excellent actor, and the outrage over on Twitter about Anthony Hopkins getting it and not Chadwick Boseman has me wondering, well, was Chadwick Boseman supposed to get it because he's dead? Or was Chadwick Boseman supposed to get it because he's black? Or because he's dead and black? Because if Anthony Hopkins delivered an Oscar-worthy performance and the Academy decides that he gets the Oscar, then it's, it's about the quality of the craft, is it not? And if if Chadwick Boseman doesn't get it, doesn't necessarily mean that his performance was, was less than, but it's just the Academy thinks that Hopkins was more than I would I would guess in a in a 
in an ideal world where things make sense and we were dealing with some some common sense, but then you've got those twelve <laughs> those twelve emotionally constipated blue hair check marks on Twitter who are just beside themselves. Well, and I have to wonder because when you have so much of Hollywood, you know, spewing out anything in regards to, you know, diversity or, you know, inclusion, things to that effect, yet the ones who are a part of the Academy who are making these votes, you know, it's like they're speaking here, but, oh, we're going to go vote for Anthony Hopkins over here. And so you have to wonder, again, it's the comment that we got from, and I always forget his name, with the limousine, uh, limousine liberals, that stuff. Oh, Cameron Pasha. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One day I'll remember. I should put a little no, post in here. But but you but you see what I mean. Yeah. I mean they they spew one thing and then they go and do this behind a door and of course sets the world up on fire on Twitter. Well, and you've got this like see here this this headline here in Variety: The Oscars embrace diversity, but not as much as it could have. Now, the complaint that I've had for ever has been that the Oscars, the Academy of Television, you know, the Academy of of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences has always snubbed the the science fiction and fantasy categories. So I don't really care very much about the Oscars anyway. But, you know, the whole Chadwick Boseman thing makes this thing, you know, Tenet wins a couple of different uh, awards. Science fiction has always done well in the technical categories, but never in the performance stuff, never in the in in what really matters if you if you can say that. But you have you know Politics at the Oscars. Here's deadline. You know, showbiz figures focus on racial reckoning and aftermath of Derek Chauvin verdict. Why is this a thing on 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 Oscar night? You know, we had uh, Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes last year roasting Hollywood over this very thing, and his his opening monologue has millions of views and people who agree with him right and left. Is the Oscars, and Rick, you can chime in on this, are the, are the Oscars the appropriate venue for this kind of, uh, this kind of diversity and inclusion question here? I mean, this seems to be kind of, kind of missing the point of the night. Or is this the point of the night? Well, it depends on the shifting, the shifting, uh, uh needs of the point of the night. I think that what this is is, a, is the opportunity to uh, raise up and award people who in their talent have achieved a craft in their, their acting to become or do something different and not be themselves. If I look at uh, Anthony Hopkins, I, I love him. He's a great guy. He plays the same part all the time for me. Maybe somebody else thinks he was different in the father than he was as Odin or any other film he's been in. But Anthony Hopkins is Anthony Hopkins uh, in all these films. If I look at Chadwick Boseman, I look at a man whose talents were so different in uh, the uh, the James Brown biopic, mm-hmm. and then Black Panther, and the piece that he was that he won, for, excuse me, that he was nominated for, and the name escapes me. What was that film? It was a Netflix. Uh, he film, was he was nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah, I thought he was good. Well, and I think it's impressive that he's doing Black Panther at the same time he's fighting cancer and nobody knew it. Yeah. Yeah. But so who's acting? At the, yeah, but at the same and, you know, but given all of that, is his performance worthy of the Oscar? Or are we are we looking at a lot of people who think that he should be giving you know, and, and it calls into oh. it calls into the question all of the other awards that he's gotten this year posthumously has he gotten those awards because he's dead and i and 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 that sounds really really you know rude and disrespectful of me but i you know no no disrespect meant to chadwick boseman he's a he's a he's a terrific actor but is there something more here are we are we feeding a narrative are we are we are we playing to an agenda by I, having by, all of these awards go to Chadwick Boseman. Well, I think it's kind of like the situation that we ran into with Heath Ledger a little bit 
but it's different because Heath Ledger was not a person of color. I mean, he he did a fantastic job in um, Brokeback Mountain, and I enjoyed him as Joker, but I don't know all the different forms of Joker, but he was good. But I did, like I said, I liked him in Brokeback. And with, you know, with Chadwick Boseman, I, it runs into the same situation I've kind of pointed out. It's like, are you getting this because we can check, check, check? And at the same time, look at, and I don't know how much of this was based on the assumption that he would win, but look at the fact that they decided that for the first year ever, I guess it is, to put the winning Best Actor Award after doing the Best Picture. Because usually you end with the per, the you know the picture yeah. and director, producer, whatever um, part yeah. of it, and that's the big hoo-ha-ha because you get everybody on stage doing the group hug, well, without the masks and all that stuff. But they switched it up. Like, they were expecting this to happen so they could have this huge, oh, you know, he's done great and he's gotten this, this, and this, and now he's got the big one, mm-hmm. which ended with a whole, oh, old yeah. white guy got it. They they rearranged it. Yeah, and, and see, and that and that's the thing is, uh, you know, Anthony Hopkins is old white guy. And how much of the outrage, and, and again, this is Twitter, so, uh, you know, it's Twitter. But the outrage, how much of it is... Chadwick should have gotten it because he's the excellent actor who should have gotten it. And how much of it is because in this day and age, we've got all these protests and, you know, the Derek Chauvin thing and the George Floyd thing and all of these riots going on for a year. And, you know, the the Black Lives Matter and all this other mess. How much of Chadwick Boseman should get the Oscar because he checks a box? Not necessarily even because he's dead, because he's black. And I would I would say, given how the Oscars have been the last few years, and all of the you know the hashtag Oscars so white and and all of the stuff that happened with the Golden Globes and the Hollywood Foreign Press, you know, getting called out for not having any any people of color on their board, I it, I right in the back of my head, I'm sitting here thinking, how much of this is about the craft of making movies, which is what the Oscars should be recognizing. And how much of this is social engineering, identity politics, geopolitical mess? Because here, here's, a, here's another example of this. You've got um, reaction to uh, – um, uh, what's her name? Chloe Zhao getting Best Director and Nomadland getting, getting Best Picture because Chloe Zhao has come out and spoken up against the, the government of China. She's going to be directing The Eternals, by the way, from Marvel. Uh, but you see this here in the headline here, Deadline. Oscars overseas reactions. China media mostly mum, but Korea, Denmark, UK politici- politicians are exuberant. Why do we care what the politicians think about the Oscars? But it says something that China is not really talking very much about this because here you have a, a, an Asian director – who has spoken out against China. And again, China flares up in the politics of Hollywood again. When are we going to, well, I say when, are we going to ever get past politics being infused in everything? When does this stop? When the money stops rolling in. When we stop it, when we stop it. When you shut the TV off, if you if you decide that MLB is overstepped, you shut it off. If you decide that the NFL is overstepped, if you decide that the Oscars has shut it off. Um, last night, I, I didn't watch the Oscars. I watched Uncle Buck. <laughs> watching Uncle Buck again. But uh, uh, I've I, I honestly had enough. And then this morning, we turned the news on, and, and the, uh, the lead story about the Oscars was a woman one for best director and she was an asian woman mm-hmm. now on to the rest of our news and i yeah. thought look i'm woodstock generation i love y'all i don't care what you look like i don't care what your race is i grew up through the ends of the civil rights movement and did some volunteer work but enough is enough this is about what you've accomplished and what uh, color is transparent i believe 
or should be. It should be about your craft, how well you acted, how well you weren't yourself. I don't think Robert De Niro should ever receive an Oscar because <laughs> he plays the same part. He makes this face, and that's all he does. And then, you know, they'd say, what a great actor Robert De Niro is. Yeah. I'll, I'll pass. Yeah. I'll look at somebody that, that actually explores their craft and becomes someone else. And that, for me, uh, um, is the, the, the sign of great merit for the award. Yeah. A sci-fi snob in the chat says, uh, is there any, any, is there really any doubt it's all politics? But he does mention that Ledger's work in Batman was Oscar worthy. So, you know, it, and, and that's fine. If you've got a performance that is worthy of the award, more power to you. You know, if, right. if the Academy decides that's who, who it needs to be. But like Barry Weiss was writing when she resigned from the New York Times, I'm going to bring that up as, as often as I can to point out how so many companies, so many corporations, so many media outlets uh, feel like they should be beholden to the Twitterverse. And to me, that's just crazy because – you know, we well, we've seen with the Star Wars thing, you know, that that article from Inverse here not too long ago that basically says all of these all of these Twitter Twitter people are 15, 16, 17 years old. And and I sit there and I go, well, of course, that explains so much in terms of emotional maturity and self-control and self-awareness and the 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 appreciation for what goes on around you because we are so – social media is fed into this narcissistic me, 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 now, now, now. Um, and, it, and it's kind of funny because there was a, there was a book – and Rick, you might, you might know this. I need, to, I need to look this up again. I saw this yesterday, uh, an, uh, an article in the National Pulse. Uh, let me see if I can get there. Nicole Garnier, I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's talking about um, a new look at science, capital S science, as a religion. And she mentions, she mentions a book that came out in 1975, and let me see if I can get to it here really quick. And I don't know, I've not heard of this book. Um, oh, come on, of course it's going to, it's going to, hang on me here but basically it was a it was an examination of how how the generation of that time was becoming more narcissistic how the world needs to be a reflection back on me and it was really interesting to see the description of this because it sounds like what we're dealing with now it's like the more things change the more they stay the same uh, because it was this article here is an examination of uh, Aldous Huxley's brother, Julian Huxley, who was the founder of transhumanism. Now, Aldous Huxley, of course, wrote Brave New World, which is a warning and basically says, don't let don't let technology take over and, and make you into this thing. Whereas Julian Huxley was sitting there saying, well, we need eugenics. We need population control. Introduced the concept of population control to the United Nations and the World Health Organization. Incidentally, coincidentally enough. But it's interesting that we get down here. There was a book. Uh, let me see if I can get to it here real quick. Christopher Lash, 1979 book, The Culture of Narcissism. And he says here, Lash's pocket definition of narcissism was a disposition to see the world as a mirror, more particularly as a projection of one's own fears and desires. And I thought, this really does feel like what we're dealing with now, with social media, feeding on, and, and I've said from the beginning when all of this pandemic played out, the media has played up the scare factor. You know, it is, it is a real thing. I've never said that COVID was wrong, was, was fake. I know it's real. My, my sister's a nurse. My parents both had it. I know it's, I know it's a thing, but 
But I think the media has played up the fear factor, one, for ratings, two, to make Trump look bad, three, to scare people and condition them into behavior. And it's media and, by extension, Hollywood that's playing into all of this political theater and trying to get us to behave in certain ways. And I think it's just it's just wrong. Well, and it's one thing you've always sat there and said, follow the money. I mean, right. there's yeah. these companies that or studios, uh, the people who run the news channels or anything like that, you know, okay, where are they getting some of this funding from? You know, who's who's in whose pocket? And even with the, you know, if you've got the 15 and 16-year-old uh, emotionally constipated people over on Twitter, they're sheep. So who's who's the one handle who's the actual adult in the room mm. who's being paid by someone to rile up those 15 and 16-year-olds you know, year olds to make the noises that they are to run it? Yeah. I, I mean, it's... It really does come down to follow the money. And, you know, you ask, you know, you ask Rick, where does it stop? When when do we stop this? And, you know, yeah, you can turn it off, but there's still, you know, if you cut the source off, the money part of it, where they can't do it, then they get stuck in a position where they actually have to think for themselves. Well, I would I would submit even that sometimes it it's not it, it doesn't even we, that's not even going far enough you know rick you mentioned mm-hmm. turning turning things off you know you don't watch the oscars we don't watch the you know we don't watch the grammys we don't watch the tonys we don't watch you know um sports you know, sports or disney plus you know we unsubscribe cuz they fired gina i mean whatever the situation is but you look at something like batwoman for example over on the cw getting a season three renewal and nobody is watching that show except the one guy yeah but i, I mean as <laughs> I, shout out to as over at heel versus Babyface. i mean he's he's taking one for the team they're doing reviews of batwoman for everybody else but nobody is watching batwoman nobody has watched batwoman from the beginning and yet it gets his third it, a third season renewal and i have to wonder is it because there's discussion and chatter about it on social media, and that's enough engagement to justify having the show, whether the show is good or not. And now we're hearing, you know, with with Dominic Purcell leaving Legends of Tomorrow, and now there's this article uh, talking about what Grant Gustin has said about oh. basically being stuck in the Flash and the the corporate environment at the CW with regard to the Arrowverse not exactly being uh, the crown jewel that everybody was thinking that it was, turning it off might not be enough. I mean, somehow we've got to get people to stop talking about it on social media because it seems like that's the only thing that matters anymore is, is if you're talking about it on Facebook and Twitter. How do we, how do we break that? Well, you're talking about the, the Twitter the Twitter group being, and forgive me if I jumped in, I still have no, a, you're fine. a delay, uh, it, being 16 and 17-year-old kids. You know, Confucius says, the squeakiest wheel gets the most oil, <laughs> and the tail is wagging the dog. He really didn't say that. I just made that up. Yeah. But yeah. I'm thinking if, if we compartmentalize on that, and if the house really isn't on fire, you've got just a small containable fire someplace, Let's kind of take a look at where we are and our response to all this, be it not watching a Batwoman or be it uh, not drinking Coca-Cola, if that's your, you know, uh, choice, is is up to us. I think think you're right. If we look at where the money's coming from and we withdraw our support financially, uh, that means something too. Now, that's what we can consider discussing now. But looking back at this, this is a, a... a, a big evolutionary wheel coming, predicted by Orwell, that uh, uh, has grown over the years. And it is, uh, I'm sorry, the echoes bug me. It, it is of a nature that you look at Saul Alinsky's part in all this and his instructions, the indoctrination that came through the public school system, and uh, where we all are George Soros. And if people say, 
well, you're a conspiracy uh, theorist. Well, yeah, maybe so. I mean, everything that happens is, is geared up with people who have motivations that might necessarily need to be kept confidential so they could move to their next um, uh, result of what have you, be it socialism, globalism, or something of that nature. Yeah, and I, and I think that you look at something like, for example, uh, the restoration of Gina Carano's episode on, on Bear Grylls' show over on National Geographic. That's a Disney-owned channel, and you have consumers, and I think, I think we're starting to see a shift where people are starting to really embrace the idea, I'm the customer. I'm not just right. a fan. I'm a right. customer. You look at, uh, there was an interview that Harrison Ford did a long time ago. They were talking about, you know, how he feels about his fans. He says, I don't have fans. I have customers. They're, they're buying a product, and I have a responsibility to deliver the best product that they want to buy. And I think a lot of people are starting to embrace that idea of being the customer. It's my money. I'm in control. I'm going to decide if I'm going to give you that money, and you have to earn it. And this pushback that I think people are starting to, to get out there, uh, people are starting to notice. And I think that's one of the things maybe Disney said, okay, Na National Geographic, we're going to put Gina's episode back on. They've bowed to pressure because the customer says, we want this product and you need to give it to us because we're willing to pay for it. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see a little bit more pushback on some of that. Who knows? I don't know. I do want to shift, uh, shift our attention just a little bit. Speaking of uh, products and money and stuff that people might want to buy at some point, how would you like a robot? This is a new thing, Disney Imagineering's Project Kiwi. And this has been in the works for a couple of years now, but they've got, a, uh, they've got video. Let me see if I can pop this on here. Basically, uh, it's a robot. And they started a few years ago developing the technology for this. And you skip forward to... Today and look, there we are, where you've got a baby Groot robot, freestanding, moving on his own. Now he's got a tether up top of his head to keep him from falling over, and this wire back here behind him is, you know, signals from the computer, but it can be detached. This is uh, this is pretty impressive. I think it's it's one of those things where I'm like, uh, are we are we on our way to Westworld with something like this? I, I, I would I would think that you probably are. I'm still playing with a Raggedy Ann and Andy, so uh, and I still make sock <laughs> puppets, so I'm not really really uh, swept away by that. But it's a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And if you want a robot, if you're building a better mousetrap, build away. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty impressive that they're that they're doing this because you know animatronics have always been a thing you know with movies and with uh, you know the theme parks and whatnot. Of course, you know you have your your rides out at Disney, you know Disneyland and and um, um, Disney World and Universal and and all of those things where you've got that kind of thing. So I'm I'm guessing that this could be something that plays in there as well. I mean, what if we see robots freely moving freely around, moving around the park and, you know, now we don't have to pay actors. Well, I, I would like to still, I think if they can get him to fly, I absolutely love the Tiki Room at Disneyland. Well, okay. Now, <laughs> so that would be kind of yeah, cool to have the birds you fly remember, around and sing. Yeah, but you remember the video that we saw the other day, the uh, a few a few months ago of the the stunt robot yes. that they were putting together for the Spider-Man show out there, part of Avengers uh, Avengers Campus. They're, we're going to get to a point now. Where we're not going to need people. We're just going to have robots do all of this stuff, and and the theme parks. And I I got to think that this has got to be part of that where Disney is looking at how much money they've been losing because the parks haven't been open. Well, when the parks come back open, they still got to pay their staff. They, they got to pay the performers whether they get 12 customers or 12,000 customers go through that park. 
So if they can develop these freestanding, free-moving robots. They can cut their staff down. Exactly. You know, skin one to look like Cinderella, skin one to look like a stormtrooper or two. You know, put, I mean, they've got Hondo Anaka over there at uh, uh, Galaxy's Edge. Until they start thinking on their own and start chasing. But at least if it's a stormtrooper chasing you, you don't have to worry about getting hit. Just saying. That's, I, who knows? But where's, where's the interaction with a, a, a robot or an audio animatronic? Um, my granddaughter's got to hug yep. the Disney princesses on the Disney cruise. And they hug back. Well, and, and all of that stuff could be programmed. To them. Yeah, yeah, you could well, program all that stuff because you know I ask a uh, question. You, know, you get a be. you get a you get a pre-programmed list of questions, and if you know it recognizes it, and right. you know, or or you get through Look Wi-Fi, at, and and if there's a question that's not on the list, and somebody gets a then Wi-Fi, why do we need people in. at all then? I mean, I'm yeah. being facetious, of course, but you could you could. Uh, you could tear up that contract with the Russian wife you're bringing over here from overseas and make one in your basement. So, well, and they you, made a movie about that. You, you sit there and you talk about having, you know, so if the Wi Fi, it's like getting a call center, not here in the United States with whoever you mm-hmm. get. But at the same time, look at what um, the story we reported a couple weeks ago on William Shatner doing that whole. You know, story file or something. Yeah, yeah where yeah. you can have a conversation with him, you know, years and years and years after he's gone, and it's supposed to be, you know, having a conversation with him. I don't know how well, it, it'll go. I don't. But, I don't know how interactive that's going to be able to be. But it, again, you're working off a pre-programmed list of questions. Somebody asks the question, it recognizes the question because of the audio and the and the you know looking at the at the uh, the waveform or whatever it says oh this question was asked well now we pop up the recording of this answer and it's sort of interactive but it's the next step you know where you, if if you were able to program cuz now we've got robo- you, you, we've got ai technology that are writing scripts we we fed all of these scripts into the ai and told it to write a new one and here's what it came up with right at some point, it should AI is going to get advanced enough, and this is a scary thought. It's going to get advanced enough where it can carry a conversation. I can't do that, Dave. Yeah. Right? Could be. Could and, be. And I and I and I I keep circling back. As soon as Google buys Facebook and reads everybody's uh, so you know social posts, that's when Skynet's going to hit. Because Google is going to sit there and say, you know what? These people, these 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 meat bags are not worth keeping around. Let's push the button. Maybe. <laughs> you know, I kind of don't know what all that is, and I'm kind of glad. <laughs> right. <laughs> At my advanced age, it's okay by me. Well, all right, and 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 we've gotten advanced in our time here. We're we're uh, we're right at at our hour, so I just wanted to go ahead and uh, uh, Sci-Fi Snob says it's the same thing Jor-El left for Kal-El. Um, the AI. Oh uh, well, yeah, the you know to train him and to teach him about his his history and his and his legacy. We we could be very well on the way to that, and you know the more AI learns, the more interactive it can get. The more it can take us down. Maybe we let the AI decide the best Oscars. <laughs> we'll just let the robots decide who does who does it best, right? But see, the robots are only as good as the people who program them. Yeah, and I'll go back downstairs and watch Uncle Buck. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we picked up a DVD of Song of the South here not too long ago. We still got to pop that in and look at it. So. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us, Rick Stacy. Thanks very much for being here, Always sir. Always my pleasure. Congratulations. And- Nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we are looking forward to the new book that's going to be coming out. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk on that on that other stuff because yeah, now to. you got me now you got me thinking about an idea. So there you go. Buddy. All right, that's going to okay. do it for us. Thank you very much, all of you who have been here. If you are here on replay, don't forget you can leave a comment and uh, let us know your thoughts. You can send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me Coming up tonight, Mr. Harvey and I are going to be discussing video game movies because Mortal Kombat is out and it's getting mixed reviews, I guess you could say. But we're going to talk about video game movies tonight 
on an all-new H2O podcast. And then tomorrow night, we've got a new Salacious Crumbs with the latest Star Wars news. So join us for that. And then uh, I think... Thursday? I th- what? Oh, yeah. And then the Ranker Pit on Thursday, talking about all of the Star Wars news and rumors and whatnot. And I think we're going to take the rest of the week off for this show so I can catch up on some things with emails and getting guest invites out and whatnot. But uh, we'll post to social media if that changes. And uh, we'll be back here. In the meantime, uh, make sure you're still subscribed. Have your notifications turned on. Check us out over at Odyssey. And uh, we'll be back with more later. Thanks for being here, everyone. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. 